This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One, two, three, four. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Pizagno alongside 24-7 Sports director of scouting andrew ivins big week for the oyster boys as the second half of the oyster boys getting ready to take the plunge i'm getting married (laughs) this weekend here in covington louisiana drew can't wait busy week unfortunately unfortunately for me this is going to be my last day of the week right here on this podcast and i wouldn't want to spend it any other way than with the man himself and then also producer lance glenn happy to be with you as well so before we jump into it before we exchange pleasantries make sure to subscribe to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast wherever you find your podcasts apple spotify make sure to leave a rating in a review as well that's what keeps the show going drew been a long couple days man just as, as it always is in the recruiting industry but we got some good news the florida panthers they're up 3-0 they're they're one game away from playing in the stanley cup just a few weeks ago, I think you were down 3-1. <laughs> if I were to tell you as a Florida Panther fan, which you're a huge one, if you were in this position, if I would have said that two weeks ago, what would you have said to me? I wouldn't have believed you, man. It's really been the uh, quite the sporting year for me. I guess I, get, I need to bask in this glory. I mean, FAU makes it to the Final Four. I was in New York for... Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and then the Florida Panthers having a chance to play for the Stanley Cup. Um, it's crazy, man. South Florida and the Heat are 3-0 in their in their series, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. It's a fun time in South Florida right now. It's also a busy time. A lot of spring football going on. Uh, evaluation period wrapping up. And then look at you. You got your wedding. We are what? T-minus four days, three days? T minus four days, pretty crazy, and then it's off to uh, off to the honeymoon in St. Lucia. Like I said, if you're down there in St. Lucia <laughs> next week, hit me up. You know where I'll be. I have a pina colada in hand. Hey, shout out to Brooks Kepka too, Drew. That's my yeah. guy. I don't know if you own him. I mean, I've, that's always been my guy. I was rooting for him in the Masters. Wins a PGA Championship this weekend. I like both those guys, man. I like Kepka. I like Victor Hovland. I'm just glad he got that one done. The Live Tour PGA beef, it seems like it's over to me. Overblown. Completely uh, overblown. I mean, you saw the video of Rory and, and Brooks Kepka after. You know, it's like, hey, it's done. Rory won't even answer questions about it anymore. Real quick side note. So when I was driving back from IMG's spring game last week, by myself, we talked about Alligator Alley going across. 
listened to Kepka on the part of my take. The part of my take boys had him on. And I'm like, man, Brooks seems so confident. And instead of betting him to win outright, which would have been like plus 2,000, I took him to top 26. We are number 26. I don't know why I was 25. And then I've been kicking myself ever since, obviously, because he goes on and wins. That would have been a nice little payout. So he was pl- he was plus what to win outright? Like like plus two thousand at the beginning of the tournament or something like that. I'll tell you what, he's the best forty fifth ranked golfer I've ever seen in my life. The guy's a weapon, man. He's healthy. Good to have him back. Hey, if you're out there listening right now and you hear a little static in the background, maybe my voice goes in and out. New Orleans Wi Fi. If you're an avid, avid fan of the show, you know this is an issue. So just bear with us. But, Drew, let's talk a little bit of college football recruiting. Busy weekend, kind of a sneaky busy weekend. And where to start? you got to start at the top. Cream of the crop, Georgia Bulldogs, back-to-back national champions. Guess what? They're number one in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings as well. Colton Heinrich, number 44 tied in, out of the state of Florida. No relation to Kirk Heinrich. Bulls point guard back in the day. Love that guy. Drew, this one was kind of sneaky. It went under the radar. It kind of hit hit my timeline, and I'm like, you know, he's in your area, so I I, I know it's buttoned up. But I think it kind of sinks anytime you're, you're, you're watching from afar and you're watching a player at a certain position that goes to a certain school. And Colton Heinrich, certainly, obviously, the job that Todd Hartley, tight ends coach at Georgia, has done. Colton Heinrich, one of those guys, Drew, I got to watch him for the first time this morning. He's in your backyard. So I'll let you I'll let you take the first crack on it. What are what are the Bulldogs getting in Colton Heinrich? A guy that's been, I don't want to say heavily, heavily debated, but pretty much anyone that recruits South Florida in terms of like the college side has has brought brought up Colton at some point. And um, you know, I think when you see him in person, he doesn't look like one of these traditional tight ends and i know people are going to throw the six three and a half 232 pound listing I, I don't know where that came from but um that's been thrown at me but when you see him in person it's like uh you know like like this guy power five tight end but then he plays you watch him you watch him on tape you watch him move around and he's got a blue collar work ethic right some short area quickness um and he blocks it's pretty rare for tight ends really in the state of Florida to be a willing blocker. Like they just don't do that down here. Most of the time you're flexed out in the slot. You're an oversized wide receiver, but Colton's a guy that, you know, will do the dirty work. And I think it's rare to find that. Um, I remember a, a point not too long ago, there was some group of five programs that thought they were going to get Colton committed. They thought he was that level. And then next thing you know, turn around, to um or or I should say fast forward a few months a few months and he's got all these big time offers including one from Georgia you know he was going to visit Alabama as well um and and Todd Hartley gets it locked up and I think Georgia is going to take two tight ends but this is a a unique guy you know and I said he doesn't really look like a tight end I think in the upper half right he doesn't exactly have like broad shoulders he's got he's got some longer arms but there's still some maturation that needs to happen in that upper half. And I'm actually going to be at his spring game on, on Tuesday night. He plays, I'm sure there'll be a ton of colleges there. So a guy we're going to get some eyes on, uh, you know, he's, he can run after the catch. Um, and someone that comes out of a good Cardinal Gibbons program, he's playing 
where he's going to catch passes for my my guy Michael Merdinger this fall, the uh, North Carolina quarterback commit. So a big one for the Bulldogs getting getting a tight end because remember they lost Landon Thomas and they're still hunting for another another one because from what I've gathered they want to take two. It's such a developmental position, and if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, you might be listening to that and say, "Hey, what are you talking about?" You know, we have Brock Bowers, Oscar Delps, another guy. Darnell Washington was a guy that played a little bit as a freshman, but it typically is, you know, and I, I can't think of a lot of guys that are making an impact around the country at the position. Mason Taylor was one. I think it's a combination of things. Not only do you have to be physically ready to play, but I think being an early enrollee is also important. And it kind of reminded me, Drew, I think this is kind of popular right now. It's on the top of our mind, but going back and, and studying Luke Schoonmaker, who got drafted in the second round by the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this was a guy out of the New England area at a prep school in Connecticut and Luke Schoonmaker that didn't have a ton of production, right? And then you look at Colton Heinrich. I mean, he had less than 500 yards receiving last year. This guy doesn't blow you away on tape, but I think once you take a look at really the size, the frame, you talked about it, the growth potential, and then the willingness as an inline blocker, I really like him in the middle of the field. I think that's kind of where he is very comfortable as a receiver. He's very sudden at the top of the route. He's got a little bit of run after catch ability and seems like a very natural pass catching uh, tight end option. So I think this is a guy, once he gets in the program, can develop nicely. You brought up a, a name there that I kind of compared him to. Um, Mason Taylor from two cycles ago, son of Jason Taylor, who's now the defensive line coach for the University of Miami. It was kind of the same thing at a private school in Broward. He was at St. Thomas Aquinas, right? Not a ton of production. A lot of schools kind of back and forth, back and forth, right? You know, he he, he wasn't, you know, didn't have the measurables, didn't have the testing. And he ends up at LSU. Obviously, he's found success early on in the SEC. Brian Kelly has said that uh, Mason Taylor might be better than uh, Michael Mayer or something along those lines. So, we will see again, guy. We're going to get a ton of eyes on here, um, and you know it's Todd. It's hard to knock Todd Hartley in his evaluations, right? He has hit pretty well at the tight end position. If you go back to his days at Miami, um, and then what he has done at Georgia, weaponizing that room uh, and, and making it really the X factor for the Bulldogs on offense. Dogs also picked up another commitment from Marcus Harrison, number thirty, offensive tackle. In the country, according to 24-7 Sports, out of the state of New York, listed at six foot eight, 300 pounds plus. Drew, your thoughts on Marcus Harrison? Well, this is the benefit of being the back-to-back -back national champs, right? You can start recruiting different pockets of the country. And Marcus Harrison, someone that came on our radar, what, about two months ago, I want to say, listed at six eight. I don't know if he's six eight, but he is a big, big dude. And if you listen to this show, we know, you know, we have brought up how it doesn't feel like a strong year at the offensive tackle position. Uh, and Marcus Harrison's a guy I like. I mean, he is a, he's a monster. He's got a, a throwing background in the track and field. Um, and Georgia gets that that locked up, you know, in New York. I think he's upstate New York, right? He is He's out there. He's a, he's an interesting take because I think he fits Georgia. I mean, you see the six foot eight. I mentioned the 300 pound plus frame, but he don't blow you away athletically. You know, I just see the size foundational athleticism combination. Like to me, 
I don't think he's a left tackle at the next level, and, and unless you're in a very run-heavy offense, that's going to accentuate that. I see him more at the right tackle spot. He's the type of guy like he, he's got to he's got to fit the scheme and what they're trying to do. And I think at Georgia, it's a good fit. You understand what Stacy Searles, Mike, Mike Bobo are trying to do at the offensive line position. So I get that one. It is interesting them going to New York. You wonder, it's like you can't find that guy right in the Southeast this year. So it just goes to show. Yeah, I mean, I was standing around with a bunch of O-line coaches at IMG Spring Game. I said, we're all the big linemen. And the big response I got is, it's not the 2023 cycle. That seems like the year you should have kind of loaded up on the big boys up front. Every year is different. Kirby had a scavenger hunt over the weekend. If you don't know what that is, that's become a staple of uh, Georgia football official visits. Drew the Dogs also had Jeremiah Smith, number one receiver in the country on campus. We'll get to that in a second. Cameron Michael makes his debut in the top 247 out of Statesboro, Georgia. An exciting player. I'm really excited to talk about him here as well. Casey Poe, number 21, interior offensive lineman, according to 24-7 Sports. He was also in town. And then the man himself, Dylan Rayola, was in the Peach State throwing to guess who? Sammy Brown number one linebacker in the country, Drew. Um, a lot to digest there, a lot of firepower. There's been a lot of talk behind the scenes whether or not Georgia has what it takes to claim the throne of the number one ranked recruiting class in college football history. That will play out, and, and we'll talk about that some other time. But I, I guess I really kind of want to focus in on Jeremiah Smith and Sammy Brown. And, I mean, how realistic is that? That, that Georgia pulls both of these guys. Well, we need to get Steve Wiltfong on the pod to, to break that down, right? Um, I think what Jeremiah Smith tweeted, longtime Ohio State commit, our number one ranked wide receiver, number two overall prospect. He tweeted something along the lines of, um, I thought taking visits were part of the recruiting process. Um, I think it's a big deal that he was there. I thought the the interesting nugget that came out of the weekend, and, and Coop, you probably didn't see this, it flew a bit under the radar, but the reason why Dylan Rayola and, and some of the other Bulldogs commits were throwing passes with Sammy Brown is because Sammy Brown couldn't make Kirby's scavenger hunt because he had to take down a tree in his yard with his dad. I mean, the legend of Sammy Brown just keeps growing. You know, video of him power cleaning or full cleaning, 405 last week. We know the track markers. He's got the mullet. Now he's just a, a ranch hand at home, just taking out a tree on the weekend. I can see him with the the cutoff sleeves and the flannel out there in the jorts, with the axe, just taking that thing down. I, I'm assuming they probably have a chainsaw. Never know, man. You never know. But, um, yeah, Georgia in a position right now, and, and you talked about Dylan Rayola. Why is that important? I mean, that's the number one player in the country, right? And that's the gravitational pull of somebody like that. Ohio State still in a good position with a with a signal caller like Aaron Nolan. He's going to have some gravity as well. And, Drew, we talked about it, how difficult it is to nab a receiver once they are committed to Brian Hartline and Ryan Day just with the success – that Ohio State's had putting receivers in the league. So I think a lot of that could play out over the fall, and we'll see what happens with Jeremiah Smith. Florida also in there as well, taking a shot at the number two player in the country. And Sammy Brown, um, we had our boy Colin Kennedy on here a few weeks ago 
from the Oklahoma site, kind of talking about their chances as well. So Sammy Brown going to be an interesting – well, I just have a hard time. I mean, similar to Ohio State with the receiver position, Georgia with front seven defenders. I mean, they almost make it too difficult for you to say no. So Georgia in a great spot right now. Drew, I want to hit on uh, Cameron McKell before we move on real quick. I love this kid. He kind of his name kind of came up late. I think you threw him in there, right? In terms of the top two, four, seven discussion. And we just we were just like, hey, how high can we get this guy up the board? Because we love him. I mean, he's got an excellent track and field background. He's a three-phase player. I went back, I watched his combine tape from UA Atlanta in February. Moves extremely well, fluid. He's one of those guys I could really see him on either side of the ball. And he's got a developmental upside in the way that I kind of positioned it on our scouting take on 247sports.com, highlighting some of the newcomers. I had Cameron McKell. I mean, this is a guy to me, Andrew, that's really just scratching the surface of what he's going to be. And I think he's got a lot of meat left on the bone in terms of how much he can really climb the board here in the future. He's an interesting one, right? <laughs> kind of turned into a little darling um, as we assembled and put together that top two, four, seven Cooper. He was someone at the all American uh, combine. Remember that national combine back, back in January. Um, and he's someone that uh, short area quickness. I, I agree with you offense, defense. I don't, I don't know really where I like him. Um, what do you, I mean, where do you see him? He worked out at receiver at, at the combine in Atlanta. I thought he was really natural. To me, it's just more of the body type. Andrew and I and, and you and I are kind of split on this. And to me, six foot plus, he's got a six foot two wing. He ran four five five. He's got a, a, a 10 six to his name as well in the hundred meter. He's a really natural runner with the ball in his hands. I like him at corner. You know, th those guys are really hard to find in terms of the height, weight, speed combination there and seeing the way that he moves. Now, I, I do think he's going to have to develop at the position. It's not. To me, he's more of an offensive player right now than he is a defensive player. But I like the upside at, at, at cornerback, and I think somebody's going to get a hell of a player in him. Yeah. Georgia, man, it's just – I feel like we talk about him every podcast, just just dudes and dudes. And then you look at the expected visitors list here in the coming weeks as they, as they get into June, and only more talent expected to be in Athens checking out the, the Bulldogs. Well, think about it this way. How nice is it? to go outside of your footprint and go grab a guy like Marcus Harrison in New York, where it's a down year nationally for offensive linemen. And then in the same breath, be able to pivot to a bubbling athlete in Cameron McKell in Statesboro, right? Where, where more than likely you're going to the pick of the litter there, right? So you're in one of the most talent rich States in the country one of the top three between Florida and Texas and Georgia in there as well. I mean, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches, but listen, it, Georgia is one of the most attractive jobs in the country for a handful of reasons. They're also in one of the most lucrative parts of the country. And I, I don't think we talk about that enough when it comes to in-state recruiting and then just the Southeast in general and the job that they've done. Another thing yeah. to think about. Drew. <laughs> Guess Let's who else has scavenger hunt this weekend? Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning and the Ducks out there in the Pacific Northwest. Another scavenger hunt. Obviously, if uh, you're wondering why that's the case, well, 
Obviously, Dan Lanning worked for Kirby Smart at Georgia, and that recruiting recipe was so successful that he decided to emulate that in Eugene. It was a big week for the Ducks. Davian Sims, number 22 defensive lineman in the country. He pops to Oregon. Dylan Grisham out of California, number 44 receiver. He also jumps in the boat for Oregon. Michael Van Buren as well, top 25 quarterback, joins the fold. That is a two-quarterback class for Oregon. Some other big names, Drew, especially on the West Coast, uh, the pair from modern day, Brandon Baker, the number one offensive tackle in the country, and Aiden Breland, the number two defensive lineman, who we bought a rocket it all the way up into the top 10 in the latest edition of the top 247 rankings. He's the number six player in the country right now. We'll talk about that here in a second. But, Drew, another big weekend for Oregon. They just continue to do what they do. And I think you and I have spoke highly of Dan Lanning and their operation. They they seem to be a buzzsaw right now. I want to circle back on the them having the scavenger hunt, right? <laughs> it's like I've said it. I think you've said it as well. It's like a mini Georgia out there in, in Eugene and – Dan Lanning is is following the script, the playbook, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. I just I thought it was funny when I saw they actually had the scavenger hunt because I think Aiden Breland, you know, found Dan Lanning just like all the kids when they're at at Georgia find Kirby Smart. Um, you know, it's it was cool to kind of see that in, in some ways. And yeah, a, a big weekend for the Ducks, number six in the rankings, setting the pace, setting the bar, whatever you want to call it. In the Pac-12, I think the next closest Pac-12 team is, or I should say future Pac-12 team is like in the 30s of the rankings. And look at them, number six. Um, I, I hosted the Xavier Sims commitment on, on Saturday on, on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Finally got a chance to really dig into to him or, or, or study him at length. I mean, he is a lot to like there. Only 16 years old. Oklahoma 5A state champ in the discus. I think he's scheme versatile up front and so important for Oregon to get big bodies out there. And they go into Oklahoma and, and grab um, the top ranked prospect in the state. I mean, that is that is the equivalent of Georgia going into New York and, and just poaching this monster of an offensive lineman recruiting national. He's a little bit of a, of a wild card. I think our, our team went back and forth on Zadavion. And Sims, we love the physical traits. And then when you watch him on tape, Drew, I think you said it, the scheme versatility kind of pops with him. He ended up being a little bit on the shorter side than we thought, and that's okay. But he is a quick, twitch, explosive player. You talked about him being 16. I thought that showed up multiple times. He has a ways to go in terms of his physical development and on-field development as well. But those are the guys that you have to bet on if you're Dan Lanning, especially going into that part of the country in the Southwest at Oklahoma, and a guy that, quite frankly, was wanted by a lot of Power 5 programs uh, within that footprint as well. Dylan Gresham, a really good player. Uh, Andrew, I like him. He, he's just outside our top 247, but uh, a dynamic player as well in the state of California. We've talked about Michael Van Buren on this show. Drew, the other part of this is, you know, it was a Mario Cristobal formula, but, you know, he always used to simply state to his staff the importance of hoarding the big bodies. And what he meant by that on the West Coast is these guys come at such a premium because there's not a lot of them, right? So if you're in the Pac-12, especially with USC and UCLA departing, it is really critical for Dan Lanning in Oregon 
it, it's almost like, hey, this is this is an area where not only is it a positive that sure you would be able to get a talented player like Brandon Baker or Aiden Breland, but there's nobody else like that on the market in the West Coast. There's nobody else. There's Jericho Johnson, right? He's he's going to be another guy that's going to be prioritized throughout the process by by West Coast teams. There's a couple players in in Hawaii in Utah in terms of the offensive line, but in terms of two solidified top 32 talents on the West Coast in that West Coast footprint, there's nobody like them. And then listen, you take USC and UCLA out of that conference. What are the other other programs that are recruiting nationally? In the Pac-12, the UCLA tries a little bit. Oh, you just well, that's said that. They're going to yeah, they're, in, they're right? so yeah, they're leaving uh, Arizona, it, Arizona State. It restricts everybody to a point. So Oregon's ability to do this is a huge positive for them as they continue forward in the Pac-12. And listen, I think they're going to make the, the themselves a destination spot, especially for the players out there that. You know, I think a selling point to them versus USC, and I think that's the head-to-head that we're going to start seeing a lot, especially in the trenches, is that, hey, you know, you're going to play in the Pac-12 footprint. Your family's going to be able to see you. And if there's one negative of the Big Ten, it's going to be the travel, right? So I think Oregon's kind of got a very unique built-in advantage here with the way that they recruit. Just keep winning, right? Just keep winning. (laughs) Just keep winning, and I big year for them. I mean, Bo Nix is back. I'm 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 excited about Oregon this year. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hey, should we get into the SEC uh, footprint? Yeah, Two guys see. off the board in my area, and guess what? They, I'm I'm tied up. Obviously, getting ready to get married next week, and I see these two guys off the board, and I'm like, hey, all right, I'm ready for for Tuesday's show because I'm a huge fan of both these cats. Jeremiah Beeman off the board from Birmingham to Alabama, big in-state get for the Crimson Tide. This one kind of flew under the radar. It's Alabama pulling the trigger on a on a top 100 player in state. That's what they do, right? It, it's not something that's going to get a, he- a lot of headlines. I like Jeremiah Beam and Drew. I had a top 64 grade on him. He ends up just outside the second round in, in the low 70s. You talked about scheme versatile and Zadavian Sims. I, I think this is a guy that can play multiple positions depending on the scheme. And he's long and he's he's 
going to need a little bit of development at the next level. But I like the way he moves. I like the raw athlete, and I like the raw physical traits as well. Good knee bend, good hip flexibility. He's got a good first step off the line of scrimmage. He's disruptive, especially disruptive in the passing lanes, and he moves really well for a guy his size. Alabama, I I, I just think we know it's a, a very strong year in state, and they're just gobbling these guys up, right? Perry Thompson's committed. Jalen Mbakwe's committed. Now you add Jeremiah Beeman in there. Sterling Dixon's also committed. I mean, there's some more names out there as well. But when Alabama can just just pick and choose, um, it makes life life much easier. And I, I agree with your assessment on Beeman. Right? I mean, he's right there in Birmingham, man. Right, right, right in your backyard, as you would say. He's in, he's in Magic City. He he's literally in my backyard. I know I say that a lot, but he's right there. I mean, these I've seen are, him a couple times. These are these are the guys that Alabama gets the most out of, for right? sure, for sure. Really, really good player, Drew. The other guy, and keep an eye on Ole Miss. I know we talk about transfer to the SIP, but I like what Pete Golding's doing. Former Alabama defensive coordinator, and you kind of see it. They're recruiting a little bit different right now. Ole Miss has always had those kind of like spare parts defensively. It just never feels like it's come together at all three levels at once. The two guys they got up front right now, Jeffrey Rush, who I love out of the state of Mississippi, and Cameron Beavers, who just committed this past week in the number 20 defensive lineman in the country. We talked about a lack of big bodies on the offensive side of the ball. I think nationally you could say the same thing about defensive line interior players, right? And yeah, Cameron Beavers is a classic case. I'll just call him the maybe not as uh, – Maybe not as intriguing, definitely not as intriguing, but these Mississippi players to me, they're so fascinating because they, the majority of them do not attend combine events, off-season events. There's not a lot of data on these guys, and you turn on the tape, it was like Sunterine Perkins. We had nothing on them. Elite production, three-phase player. We know we liked him. We knew there was probably going to be a really good shot once we saw him. We loved him. Didn't get to see him until Alabama-Mississippi in December of last year. Cameron Beavers is a guy for me, Drew. Like, There's a ceiling on him right now because we just got to wait and get more additional information. This guy, to me, if he checks out, he could be a, a top 64 player. Yeah. You brought up Pete Golding, right? Recruiting a little bit different on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not saying Cameron Beavers is this player, but it kind of reminds me of that Jaheim Otis, right? Jaheim Otis, when he was at Alabama, kind of an unknown. They took out of the state of Mississippi, they being Alabama. And then you look at Cameron Beavers, it's like kind of the same thing. You you watch the tape, you're like, all right, this is a massive individual. I don't know how big – like. I don't know exactly how big he is. I don't know how long he is. I have no idea what he weighs. I just know he's he's big and he can he can anchor in the middle, right? He can have his way in in, in the A and the B gaps. He can make things difficult. He can let line, linebackers like Sunterine Perkins make life easier for them. So I think this is a really big pickup that probably isn't being talked about enough. And we know that if if Ole Miss is is going to contend in the new look SEC. They're going to score points, but they're going to have to, to stop and limit opponents. And I think adding 
Cameron Beavers, he's a potential, you know, difference maker there in the middle for the Rebels. And we know they're going to go in the transfer portal, right? That's what they want to do. I mean, that's what they've done under under Lane. But you still have to develop, you know, some of your in-house talent. You still got to build through the NFL draft, which would be the high school ranks. And Ole Miss, this just this doesn't feel like the previous couple cycles for them. You know, they're kind of late, late. They put it together late, and to see them right now with two of the best prospects in the state of Mississippi committed before we're even in to these summer months is absolutely a big deal, right? They also you know, have a chance to get Jamonte Waller, a, a five-star, another pass rusher for us. I mean, it could be a, a special group up front for Lane Kiffin, Pete Golding, and Ole Miss. They seem like they have their, their ducks in a row a lot more in terms of in-state priorities in terms of being active, proactive. There's a difference between proactive and reactive recruiting. And to me, the last couple cycles, it's been, okay, let's play well on the field and then let's take advantage of that and see what the market has for us. They've, they've put enough on the field under Lane Kiffin over the last couple of years and obviously him signing his, his contract extension at the end of the season. That's a huge deal. And then you bring over a guy like Pete Golding, who, you know, he had his up, ups and downs at, at Alabama, but I think he adds more credibility to what than what they've had in the past on the defensive side of the ball. Guys like Jeffrey Rush, guys like Cameron Beavers, guys, guys like Sunterine Perkins, and you know, the other one we're not talking about, Patrick Broomfield out of Clarksdale was a guy that was really prioritized as well throughout the state. And I'll say this, Drew, it seems to me that they're also taking advantage of a first-year head coach in Zach Arnett. You know, he, he hadn't been able to put anything on tape yet, right? He seems like more of a question mark. Obviously, the hire due to the situation was more circumstantial. And it seems like Kiffin and his crew understand that they have opportunity in front of them in Mississippi where usually those battles are a little bit more split down the middle. All right, so they're, they're doing a good job there, and you got to be aggressive. If Ole Miss is going to take that next step, that proverbial next step, this is where they got to do it. They got to do it at the point of attack, and they got to stop the bleeding because they can score with anybody in the country. Yeah. Hey, uh, another interesting one Dylan Rayola off the board here, right? Um, within the last week. Daniel Kalen, number 25 quarterback in the country. Drew, we have ranked as a high three-star from the state of Missouri. He commits to Nebraska. I like this for Nebraska. And the other part about what I like about this from Nebraska is you hung in, you fought 12 rounds for the guy that you're supposed to battle for. It didn't go your way. When you see things like this happen, I mean, it, it might not be – mean anything to anybody else and players at the end of the day they got to produce daniel kalen's a good football player there are a lot of redeeming qualities there so for nebraska to pivot as quickly as they did after rayola decided that he's going to take his talents to athens to me that just goes to show that all right this is a program under matt rule that has a plan and they're sticking to it yeah and kalen by all accounts from what I've heard, I think I saw him throw once. You know, he's a very sharp kid, very intelligent kid. And I do agree with you, Cooper. I mean, uh, just to be able to move on that fast and 
they had to wait out the Rayola sweepstakes, right? I mean, it, there was no other choice. You, you couldn't move on to someone else until Rayola had, had put on the hat and announced where he was headed. So the fact that they go and then pull a quarterback away from an SEC school like that, and I know Missouri isn't lighting it up on the recruiting trail in terms of the high schoolers right now. Uh, I, I think that is a, a statement of sorts for uh, Matt Rule and – it seems like this might have been the plan all along. If you kind of connect the dots, I mean, as soon as Rayola picked Georgia, Steve Wilfong was all over the airwaves and, and the channel saying, hey, keep an eye on Daniel Kalen. And then, bam, within the week, they have their quarterback of the future. All right, Drew, I know it's certainly one of your favorite times of the year when we update a uh, top 247. No stress involved at all. Not in the planning process not in the reaction process. It's a lot that it's, it's, it's always funny. And I feel like every time we get on this podcast, after there's a new rankings release, we try to, I don't want to say vent a little bit, but we try to pull the curtain back to know that, to let you know, I'll be the first one to tell you, Drew, I think you'd second this. I mean, it's such an imperfect process, right? Not where guys fall at the end of the day, but in terms of the information gathering, there's a, there's a lot of different pieces. These guys have yet to play their senior year yet. Things change, boards change, and there's always going to be the presentation of new information, whether that is in the spring with new track and field data, whether that is new exposure live on the recruiting trail at a lot of these Under Armour camps, at a lot of these Elite 11 regionals. You've heard Andrew and I and our team continue to talk about it. There's a lot of things that transpire during the offseason that motivate these changes when it comes to the top 247. And let's be honest, there are a lot of changes for us to make. And I'll, I'll say this, when you start auditing a top 247 and studying it in depth, I mean, you're spending uh, a quality amount of time, I would say half an hour to 35 minutes to just even get a brief synopsis on a player. That process alone, when you're watching 247 players, and I would say, Drew, another 25 or 30 or so in terms of ones that you have to vet. This time around, we had 22 newcomers. That process alone takes about a month. I don't know what it takes individually for anybody else, but it took me about four weeks to do that, right, and, and to get through these guys just to have an educated and informed opinion. It could be an opinion that you – disagree with but my job is to make sure that it's an educated and informed opinion that's andrew's job too so a lot of the times with the other responsibilities that we have andrew you talked about being out on the road the last couple of weeks you also have to host the college football recruiting show depending on what week it is there's other responsibilities that you have as well being in media right it's enter it's an entertainment business point being it's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of per moving parts, and it's an imperfect process. And we understand that. And uh, I guess that's kind of my precursor uh, to how we'll start this conversation. And, Drew, we had two new five-stars in the top 32. I think when we went into it, the idea was, hey, we're going to make slight tweaks when it comes to the top 32 and really – above and beyond that, the top 64. So the top two rounds, for the most part, 
we're going to stay pretty much consistent from what we've seen. Now, 65 to 247, that's probably, that is where you would see the most change in the top 247. I said 22 total newcomers, Drew. That number is 25, excuse me. Um, and then I'll go ahead and, and, and explain the quarterback movement. There wasn't a lot. Aaron Nolan went up a little bit, and our philosophy on this and our way of thinking is there is a way that each of us feels about certain quarterbacks in this class that if there were, there were some moves to make in our mind. That being said, we have the Elite 11 finals in Los Angeles where all these guys are going to be together, where we'll get to see them. And I think at the end of the day, Drew, we settled on the fact that, all right, let's let's kind of roll the ball out there, see what happens, and then that will be an appropriate time to make the changes that we need to make when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah, didn't want to you know, move a quarterback up, move them back. I think everyone's got their own kind of big board on the quarterbacks, but at the end of the day, it's not one person's opinion. It's not two person's opinions. It's an entire, you know, group effort. We got to get on the same page and we decided to kind of, uh, we decided to kind of hold our, hold our cards close to our, or, you know, hold, right? You know, we're, if we're playing poker, we're holding right now and we want to see how it plays out after the Elite 11 next month. And um, so that's when the quarterback movement is going to come, right? I think there's some moves that are going to be made. Some guys are going to go up the board. Some guys are going to come down the board uh, when it comes to the the quarterbacks. And you're right. This was a this was a tweak. And I think the number one question we've got on the rankings is, all right, how are you – how are you tweaking? Like what, what has changed? And people are loving to point out that, you know, no football has been played and that's not true. I mean, there's been spring football uh, in states all around the country, you know, full padded games and, and scrimmages and all of that type of stuff um, in Florida, Georgia, Texas, you know, you've had showcases around the country and then we've had camps in all every weekend, right? There's, there's camps and we're getting new testing data, uh, track season's also wrapping up. So, you know, there's been a ton of new information that, that has come to, you know, come to light and, uh, you know, our opinions change and we wanted to move some guys around and there's more updates to come. The senior seasons are going to be important. I, I just think it's funny, you know, all these colleges can go out and recruiting boards can change. Guys can move up and up and down the boards and, and fans of the school's, uh, are fine with that. But as soon as we, we start moving things, it's how are you guys moving things? And, you know, it's kind of the same thing, right? You go out and, and opinions change and evaluations are made. Well, spring evaluation is so important. You talked about it. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but Georgia out on the road with their camcorders, right? I mean, it, like there, there's a reason they're doing that. They're, go, they're, they're going back, they're evaluating the tape, and they're trying to sift through and they're trying to reorganize their board based on who's a priority. And I guarantee you, they didn't get the green light on this tight end, Colton Heinrich, probably until Todd Harley went and saw him this spring. If I had to guess, that was probably the final checkbox. Does it help Justin Williams to run a 4-4-4? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's additional context. 
and you're right. You know, I, I probably on here and I, I get frustrated about it. And it's probably a handful that are the, the loudest that we have to deal with every single time. Nobody's ever going to be happy. That's the way it is. But, you know, we got to do our homework, too. And we have a lot of resources. We're super blessed at this company that we get to go out on the road and we have a great team. And we communicate, we share that information. And then at the end of the day, guess what? It's a guessing game. It's an educated guess. That's what it is. We do our homework. And we have our formula for how we arrive at where we arrive. And this is this is where we are right now. So some of the moves that happened, Drew, I talked about it, just mentioned it. Justin Williams, linebacker, moving up all the way into the top 32, number 16 player in the country. Talk about him here in a second. And then Justin Scott out of Illinois. Into the top 32, number 21 player in the country. And Drew, I guess my point of view on Justin Williams, I mean, this is a guy that honestly, I, I think if you wanted to have the conversation between him and Sammy Brown, because I do, you know, and I'm not even talking about ranking, but I think it's pretty interesting because you got Sammy Brown, who was fresh out of the oven, ready made for college football. We talked about the type of athlete he is, he's a three phase player. He's got an elite track and field background, and he has an elite wrestling background as well. Justin Williams, on the other hand, he's just getting started. It's a guy that was a safety that played linebacker for the first time last season. He's more of run and chase. There's a lot of instincts. He's got some natural stack and shed, some lead in his hands between the tackles. That arrow to me, is pointing up in a real big way. And then I mentioned the fact that yeah, you got to be able to run. Well, earlier this spring, he clocks up sub four five at four four four. He can run. He's a good athlete. And he's kind of that modern day backer. He's a reactionary guy. He can drop. He's comfortable in coverage. He can split out. He's got man to man. In all honesty, going through the top two four seven, he was a top 10 rated player for me. I love this kid. My thoughts on on him. Well, we, we talked about both these schools on the front end of the podcast, right? Uh, Georgia and Oregon. Oregon, the crystal ball leader for Justin Williams. And he just spent the weekend at Georgia on an unofficial visit. Now, Coop, I agree with you. Uh, over 100 tackles there as a, as a, as a junior playing in Texas. Um, you bring up that 444. Well, he ran that time, I think, literally like four days after we released our last rankings update um i think if we had known that maybe maybe would wouldn't have been outside of the 32 heading into this update um and i, I do agree how to how to shrink the gap between him and sammy brown i feel like we accomplished that with this update and it's a matchup game right now football right everyone wants to throw it around you need linebackers that can play all three downs justin williams can do just that um I, his tape is fun. Uh, I agree with you. You know, he can play the run. He can defend the pass. He's obviously very athletic. And that speed shows up, right? The testing time matches up with what he has on tape. There'll probably be some people out there that say, oh, hey, somebody else had him first. Who cares? Talk to me in three or four years. You want to have that conversation. We'll see where we're at. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Justin Scott, another guy moves up into the top 32, number 21. Drew, two-way player. I mean, you could you could make the argument that, hey, you, you like him at offense, at guard. You love the upside there. I mean, 
He's a guy, he's a big, nimble athlete. He's super comfortable in space. He's got some power to him. These dudes are just really hard to find. You dig into the background a little bit, AAU basketball, played soccer, and it's pretty easy to see those traits show up on tape. He's another guy, Drew, we got to do a little bit more homework on, and I think we would have liked some more additional information. But at the end of the day, the combination of the tape, what we know about the athlete, it's kind of too much to pass up on. Yeah, and with the 32, how it's structured right now, right? We, we had 32 five-stars, two guys slid out. One of them was a defensive lineman. So we wanted to get another big body up there into that top 32. And I think as we met as a group, Justin Scott is the one that had the most momentum behind him, right? And he was right there on the cusp. And you're right, still not a ton of verified information out there. But I, we found like some basketball footage, right? And and, and you see him move around. Um, Christian Wilkins, I think, is the, the comp that's been tossed around, the, the former Clemson star defensive lineman who's now with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, this is just – this is a guy that has, a, I think, a, a ton of upside and someone that – Obviously, the best of the best are after. I'm a big fan of him. He's right there in in Chicago. Um, someone hopefully will only get more exposure points to here over the next few months and, and before things finalize in February for National Signing Day. Let's talk about some big risers, Drew. Tight end Carter Nelson, he is up to the number 40 spot all the way from 123. Texas A&M defensive line commit Daylon Evans. He's up from number 70 to 41. Drew, I would I would just categorize these two players as the guys to watch. I'm not saying there's not more outside of that, but if there are two guys to watch that you want to make a play for five-star status when it comes to elite traits that you want to take a shot on, that's why they're in this conversation right now, it'd be Carter Nelson and, and Daylon Evans. And Carter Nelson – you and I, I, I think, have talked about him a little bit on this show, but probably haven't given him the due that he deserves. So right now is probably a good time. I mean, elite track and field resume. He plays eight-man football in the state of Nebraska. To me, what I fell in love with was a basketball tape. I mean, you talk about a two-foot leaper, very athletic, and you watch the way he moves out there, not lost at all. And I think the other thing we don't talk about a lot when you watch basketball, spatial awareness. He's got a great feel for the game, and you see the flashes on the gridiron as well. We talk about him at tight end. I kind of, I really liked his upside at linebacker. And I see him kind of more in the athlete bucket than I want to do. Like, hey, I don't want to pigeonhole him right now. I have no idea what he can be. He's got all that in his body. Is he a six, seven high jumper? <laughs> No, it's a uh, one of a kind track and field profile. Seven foot high jump, 175 foot discus, 14 one pole vault, 52 three five shot, and an 11.05 in the 100 meter dash. It's eight man football, Cooper. I talked with a college coach who went out to see Carter Nelson. Um, <laughs> I was like, hey, what'd you think of Carter Nelson? I got back freak, and then I got a photo of a tractor driving down the road and a photo of a corner store, I think with one stoplight. And then the other photo was the roadway in that the college coach stayed at that night. So he is in the middle of nowhere. Um, I can't wait to see this kid at the all American bowl. I think yesterday, uh, earlier this week, he, he accepted that invitation. You're right. I mean, he, 
eight man football is weird to watch, right? It's, it's it's hard to figure out what it is. And I think Nick Saban was was quoted, or or Carter Nelson told someone that when Alabama offered offered him, Nick Saban said he had never really scouted eight man football f- footage before. Um, he's a wild card, lottery ticket, big payout, right? I mean, this kid might be a descendant of Clark Kent, for all we know. Seven-foot high jump is nuts. We're going to talk about Courtney Crutchfield, who we ballooned in the rankings as well. And I'm writing an article about Courtney Crutchfield yesterday, talking about how I love his upside. At the receiver position, he is a six-foot-three high jumper. You got Carter Nelson at seven feet. I mean, the guy just kind of gravitates, you know. So, yes, he's got a ways to go on the field. One of the best athletes, if not the best athlete in the entire class. Now, the football part's got to come together, but the flashes have been there. That's what excites me. And, Drew, we talk about the All-American Bowl. Like, Lincoln Keenholz was that guy last year, right? South Dakota, multi-sport athlete, did it all. We were so fascinated. Comes to San Antonio, big-eyed for the entire week, shows up during the game. It's like completely different player. That's what I think the game should be about. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. This other cat, Dalen Evans, man. <sighs> AM, man. They they just keep they keep stacking them at the defensive line position. Dalen Evans, one of those guys. I mean, scheme versatile. You can play him on the outside. You can play him inside. Quick twitch, explosive. Another guy that's just rounding into form. The hands, Drew, the speed to power ability kind of stuck out with him. I think his ability to kind of move him around as a defensive chess piece, not only play the run, but I, I love his pass rushing upside. I do as well. Um, I've compared him to Gervon Dexter, and I don't think it's a clean comp, but Gervin, Gervon Dexter – Florida defensive lineman goes in the second round of the NFL draft to to the Bears. I mean, just a just a big frame in the middle that that can bend and find some power. Um, Dalen Evans, what number nine defensive lineman for us now, number forty one overall. Really good get for Texas A and M, and I think they're going to have to hold on to him, right? He's got some some summer official visits set up. Going to get to Florida. Easy to see why the Gators want him. I think he fits exactly what they want to do up front right in, in that scheme um and, and georgia tech's in there as well tcu uh i like this kid a lot and i think he's a little bit different than maybe some of those other defensive linemen that texas a&m took two cycles ago and and refortified with this past year i mean he's he's a unique player and there's a, we brought up growth potential earlier on the podcast i think there's a ton of growth potential with him as well 67 five shot put earlier this month just wild the twitch to me i mean that, that's kind of what stands out i mean you, you talked about the difference it's i mean you can go down the line shamar stewart is kind of more of a raw explosive powerful player that could play through you physically walter nolan similar smooth mover for his size but an interior guy Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, same deal, quick twitch, explosive, but kind of limited to where he could play. LT Overton, so smooth. This kid is different, Drew, just in terms of what you can do with the skill set. I, I like him a lot. That's a that's a big get for, for Texas AM. 
staying in the SEC West, Drew, Arkansas right now, you and I, and I think we probably need to talk about it a little bit more nationally, huge fans of what Arkansas has done in, in 2024. And big part of that is Courtney Crutchfield. Another part of that is Charleston Collins, uh, which was another guy that saw a, a nice bump in the rankings and in, in the most recent top 247. But Courtney Crutchfield, Drew, we got him at what, 63 or 64, right? He's kind of back end of one of the last two picks of the second round. I mean, this kid, we can talk about the athlete. We love talking about the athletic profile. He's got a, a really strong profile, not only in track and field, but in basketball as well. Three-phase player. You watch him on defense, and they move him around, whether it's playing corner, whether it's playing safety. I love everything physically that Courtney Crutchfield presents. I think the other part that takes away when you start talking about Courtney Crutchfield, because it's easy to fall in love with the toolkit. Gosh, man, he is a really good football player. He is a really, really good football player. I mean, he does so many little things that go unnoticed. And you talk about his feel for the game. You talk about strong hands at the catch point, his ability to play through traffic on the offensive side of the ball, 50-50 ability, wide catch radius. The thing about him that I love is his ability as a runner after the catch. It's like, you know, we're looking for a comp, and it's not it's not a clean one. It kind of reminded me of C.D. Lamb. Not as elusive, but super strong and a really good feel as a runner in open space. So, dude, I love this Courtney Crutchfield kid, and we got him at 64, and I'm thinking, man, he's just getting started. Yeah, three-phaser. I mean, you said just really good football player. I, I think that is him to a T. I think I'm the only one <laughs> on our scouting team that's like, I could see this kid playing defense, right? You know, oh, I'm the, with you 100% there. There's like a the third clip on his highlight. It's like a pick six. Uh, also makes an impact on special teams. Coop, uh, basketball background. I think he's got an offer. I mean, he's there in, in Pine Bluff and whatever the – what is it, Arkansas Pine Bluff. I think they've offered him a, a hoops scholarship. And I talked about it after this most recent NFL draft. Like, I'm all on board, prolific Coopers. You know, trying to covet and, and target those guys. A hundred of the 250 or so draft picks played basketball. A lot of them are really good basketball players. I think that shows up for Courtney on tape. He's can win one-on-one -on -one situations outside on the perimeter, right? He's got some body control. You can twist the body, go find the football. And and like you said, he's he's elusive after the catch, you know, can generate the yak. Last one here, an important one to note, Luke Reynolds out of the New England area, out of Connecticut. And guess what? We're in the, the number 14, the same number that Luke Schoonmaker. Luke Schoonmaker, all of a sudden, a big name drop on this show, Drew. Penn State tight end commit Luke Reynolds all the way from outside the top 247, now up to number 80 in the newly minted edition of the top 247. Drew, like... Schoonmaker was the comp, right? And you turn on the tape and it was like, it's not going to blow you away with production. But similar to Schoonmaker, Luke Reynolds was playing the quarterback position. There's not a ton of evidence in line. But you see the athlete, you see him move in space. And then you watch the combine footage on a really, really rainy day, I believe, in New Jersey. And you're like, wow, the way this guy can move. I think he was sub 4'6". 
4-5-40, shuttle, 32-inch vertical jump. He did some freaky things, and he is a natural coordinated mover at the position, natural pass catcher as well. These are the type of dudes at the tight end position that I think, you know, we talked about how they were kind of sandwiched in the NFL draft this year. Like, they don't get out of the third round. I love this guy's skill set, and I think he's going to one of the best programs in the country when it comes to tight end development. I love the profile, right? So Luke played mostly quarterback last year, right? And again, you know, I dug in at length to that 2023 NFL draft. Uh, pretty much every or a good chunk of the tight end selected went both ways or, or played a different position. You kind of you don't start off at tight end. You know, tight end kind of finds you, right? You're your big frame guy. And he's 6'4, I think 209 is what he was at that combine. Um, so he was a quarterback, but he also kind of got some double duty as a as a tight end. And and the footage is good. And and talking with Brian Doan, who does the Northeast for us, he he said when Luke showed up to that combine, he was really impressed at how he handled himself as a pass catcher. I think that was kind of a question for us. Um, so he checks off those boxes, but him playing quarterback it's impressive and i know it's it's up in new england but how he how he moves laterally how he gets up the field as a runner you know on a lot of quarterback design stuff i like that and then the 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 multi-sport background he's another hooper uh he can score so i think it's it's a big addition for penn state um which has turned out plenty of churned out excuse me plenty of tight ends recently it was a good find for them and he's a kid i think they they had in camp last year. They kind of knew what they were doing. So um, great evaluation by them. Drew, that takes us to the end of our conversation, according to the top 247. But is there, is there a name or, or maybe two that, you know, you want to bring a little bit of awareness to that you went through the evaluation process and say, hey, I really like this guy. Maybe we didn't get to him on the show. But this is a guy that I really like, uh, and it doesn't have to be a guy jockeying for five-star status. It could be a guy in one of those middle rounds that to you you think is a really good football player that's going to get coveted throughout this evaluation process. How about Deshaun McBride um, out of Louisiana? You know, uh, Last update, we moved him into the top 247. Now he climbs up into the top 100. Back seven defender, um, I call him a masher. You know, he will hit people, might grow into more of a off-ball backer. I think he's already at 195 pounds, but he tested really well recently, 4-5-3, 4-2 in the shuttle. Uh, I like that take for LSU. He's right now our, I think he's our number three safety, someone I get fired up about. Um, I'm scrolling, man. I was not prepared for this. You give me one no, and I'll give you one. I'll yeah, you no, I mean, I, I think mine would be Taylor Tatum. I think he's more of a high floor prospect, but I think, you know, where we have him right now inside the top 64, I think he is the clear cut number one running back in the country. And I don't think there's much debate there. Uh, you talk about a guy that's a three down running back, big physical build over 200 pounds right now, super sudden, good vision, good patience at the line of scrimmage, very natural runners, got good balance, body control. I like his ability as a receiver out of the backfield as well. Um, baseball background, I believe, for Taylor Tatum. For whatever reason, I, I feel comfortable with those guys. There's some correlation there between the baseball field 
in the running back position. We saw it with Justice Haynes last year that I really liked that I think is more kind of, you know, middle infielders, short area quickness, change of direction, good feel for space. <laughs> it's kind of um, it's, it's kind of crazy because like that's the comp I have for Taylor Tatum, right? You know, and I, I, I Justice Haynes is much bigger than Tatum, but I think we saw some photos from a track meet and he looks pretty rocked up and uh, invited to MLB, some type of MLB showcase, uh, also laying down some good track times. I, I think with T Taylor Tatum, what isn't talked about enough is his ability to create separation as a route runner. You know, his game is very conducive to modern football. Three down back if you need him to be, you know, works in the slot. Uh, a big fan of him, and I, I, I'm glad he's running back one for us in the rankings. He's a good player, man. I'm, I'm fired up about him. We'll see what happens with his recruitment. All right, Drew, final thoughts before we get out of here and get this boy married this week. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. You ready, bud? I'm ready, baby. I'm excited. I'm extremely, you know, you can call it lucky, but I'm extremely blessed um, not only to be marrying uh, my fiance, but uh, be surrounded by the people that I have in my life, not only, not only my personal life, but at work as well. And, you know, I remember talking to you about it I think you were working so hard and, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're working so hard. Like we know you to work that that wedding week came up that you didn't really have a lot of time to kind of like process it. Right. So everything as, as things transpired, you were processing it in real time, you know, so I got the rest of the week off. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to do. People keep asking me and they're like, Hey, you nervous, you nervous. And I'm like, no, I'm not nervous, you know, but I'm also now getting the point with all these questions where like you expect to, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm up at the altar or whatever it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. I know I'm, I'm an emotional person, so I know it's going to come at some point and probably hit me a couple of times, but that's kind of where I'm at, man. I'm just trying to trying to get in a good, good headspace, you know? Well, soak it all in, man. There's never the best advice I got. One of my buddies, he said, there's never going to be a time in your life where, all your friends and all your family are there for you. So soak it in. Pretty crazy, man. I got the white linen suit ready to roll. You know, I got the pelican tie. I, I don't know if you're being serious right now. Oh, that's dead serious. That's dead serious. I'll, I'll suit it and boot it. Got it altered. I'm ready to go, man. It's going to be a Louisiana wedding. It's going to be hot, humid, 87 degrees. You know, got the oyster Rockefeller out there. It's going to be. We'll be, we'll be rolling, Drew. I wish you could have been there, man. I wish I, I could have been there for you. I know. I know. I need. I I was actually going to ask you for your address. I needed to send you something. Oyster Boys Rope Hat? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Need to get those in production. All right, guys. We're going to get out of here. Last reminder, make sure to subscribe to the show. 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast. Like I said, make sure – to leave a rating on there in a review as well. And for director of scouting, Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Glenn, next time I'll see you will be in two weeks. So I'm going to hand it off to the boys here. I think we're going to have some guests. Hopefully yes. I'll come back with a tan. I'll have a nice ring on as well and we'll be ready to go. Guys, appreciate you listening as always. And we'll see you tomorrow.